I'm Crystal Berger, Fox News, and we're spending a few moments with Clay S. Williams. How are you, Clay? I am great. Thanks for having I'm me. I'm so excited to have you in studio today. You're an author and holistic lifestyle expert. First, we have to get into what is that? It's kind of something I created. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's someone who uh, works from the inside out, and so I do image consulting as well as life coaching. So people come to me if they're trying to figure out what their purpose and calling is in life, mm-hmm. and I support them with sort of closing the gap between their past and their present. So you come in looking for an interior shift. I got you on the exterior as well. Yes, and we're going to talk about you and your life in the exterior world because you've done a lot of work in high fashion, Ralph Lauren. But before we get there, I want to yeah. talk about you. Okay. So you grew up in Detroit. Yes, mm-hmm. D. The D. <laughs> the B and the D. I'm yeah, from Baltimore. Right. So Clay, tell me about what was life like for you in Detroit? Early on, I sort of discovered my voice and courage in life through a fourth grade experience. To make a long story short, uh, one of my next door neighbors couldn't come outside to play because all of a sudden there was a drug house that popped up on the block. And we live in a very fluent area in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't understand why that was happening for my friend. So I wrote the mayor of Detroit a letter and gave him the address of the drug house that was preventing our friends from coming out to play. There was a raid that that happened like weeks later. And I get a letter from the mayor saying, if you know any other place that are preventing you and your friends from playing, please let us know. Like, and that was my early upbringing and really understanding like my own personal power and my responsibility and bettering the human condition. Now, what was it about that circumstance that bothered you so much that you felt like, I'm going to write this letter? It was seeing someone who were older than me who felt they didn't have a voice. And it had to be something that you learned from being in a nuclear household as well. Absolutely. I say I get two things from my parents. One, from my mother, I get my courage from my mother. My mom has always been immensely the matriarch and the backbone of our family who've been courageous in all situations. And my father, I actually get the uh, wellness. He was Dr. Wayne Dyer and Joyce Meyer and Deepak before they were even, you know, interested in what they were doing well before they were, you know, into the mainstream as it is now. And so he was an entrepreneur, too. He bought this dilapidated building in downtown Detroit for his construction business. And he had this sign on top of the door. You'll see it when you believe it. And interestingly enough, I sort of discounted that for a majority Mm -hmm. of my life. But those were the foundational principles that made me who I am today. that's a powerful statement. Yeah. You will see it when you believe, when you believe it. it. Most people think about it in the reverse. Yep. So what did that mean to you, that specific statement mean to you growing up? It meant despite wherever the circumstances is, the finances, uh, where, uh, wherever your limiting beliefs, if you felt you're in an economically difficult scenario, you will not be able to attain what it is you really want out of life if you don't have the belief behind it. It's good to have the vision, the hard work, and all those things like that, and feeling deserving and worthy of something. But if you don't have the belief to back up the vision, it will never, ever come to pass. Mm, and speaking about beliefs and grand visions, you found yourself in Madrid, Spain. I did. Very early on working with <laughs> missionaries, right? Yeah. So tell me, what took you to this missionary work and what did you learn during that experience? So study abroad. I went to K College and I didn't want to go at first. And my mom was like, you are going, you're going to experience a whole nother culture. And so we had to do intercultural research projects. And I was like, uh, I don't know if there's anything that really speaks to me. But I was going to an English speaking church with missionaries from Texas, and they were working with uh, in a seminary with people who were escaping apartheid in South Africa, people who were from Romania, and they found opportunities to work in, in Madrid as well as they were obtaining their Master of Divinity degree. And so from that, I was like, ah, not only can I uh, be able to learn and be able to bring this back for this research project, it literally gave me a new insight into how I wanted my message and my call 
calling to sort of be. And speaking of insight, you then went on to Princeton yeah. to Divinity School. Yeah. Okay, so we talk about this calling mm-hmm. in life. I know you were in Madrid and you heard this voice. What was the voice actually saying to your spirit at the time? Right, that uh, in order for you to do what you really want to do in life, you can go out and do it, but you actually need some academic uh, training. Okay. I know there's a lot of people who are life coaches and they have great gifts and talents, but for me in particular, I wanted to make sure that I went to the very best of the best and obtain not only the academic, but also the experiential programs that I knew Princeton Theological Seminary offered for someone like me. And while you're studying at Princeton, you're working to finance school at yep. Ralph Lauren, <laughs> and you have this moment. Yeah. Tell me about what working for Polo actually did for your journey? I was working at Polo Ralph Lauren Princeton first as a regular sales associate, and then I got promoted to Short Hills as a manager. And no one knew I was obtaining my Master of Divinity degree at the same time. I kept those lives separate. And people would start to come into the store not to shop anymore. People would just come and start talking about their issues, their life problems. I mean, I was having drinks with people, going to kids' bar mitzvahs. Like uh, a bride and a groom one time said to me, hey, would you mind coming to dress my husband on the day of, he might need some different conversation. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And so I realized, wait a minute, there has to be a way that I can combine my love for nurturing the interior through working through past pathologies with my love of image consulting. And so I was able to sort of juxtapose those things together, not really even knowing that all this was taking place. Now, mind you, I'm getting my MDiv, but I felt more spiritual connection to the people that were coming to the store every day at Polo Ralph Lauren more than at Princeton Seminary. You say that when plan A was birth for you. Oh, absolutely. It was just like all the light bulbs went off. And even after graduation, I tried to make all these jobs work. And literally, we're talking about like that voice, the same one I heard in Madrid, you'll have to create what it is you want to do out of life. Mm. There may be other things that will supplement your income, but there's no shortcuts. You're going to have to create them from scratch. For sure. So let's explore the title. There is only plan A, right? Because you hear everybody say, oh, you need to have a backup plan and you need to do this. And you and I kind of laughed on Instagram yep. <laughs> off of the Eddie Murphy video. Yes. And he said, listen, if you have plan B through Z, right. you never focus on plan A. And right. so you kind of never reach that. Talk to me a little bit more about the journey towards self-discovery and renewed purpose. How important is it to really stay true to that plan A? A good way of looking at it is you need to have a plan B and C and D if you have a job. For your calling in life, there's only one plan that you really need to have, especially if you're telling me that your intuition, your higher power, God, universe, whatever you choose to say for yourself. To me, I believe we're all talking about the same thing. But when you have that level of assurance and you feel it in your heart that that's what you're supposed to do to create some type of impact on this world, there's no other plan for you to have. And I'm not saying that there are divergent paths that one will take in order to fulfill that plan. I mean, hello, I can speak from experience, (laughs) you know, having started this since 2007. But if you have that belief and that vision and you know that is what you're supposed to do, There's no need for another plan. Speaking about those diverging paths, you actually address a lot of these real life experiences that you had on your journey. And I do want to talk about one because people think they see you glowing and looking great and on TV (laughs) and, you know, with Deepak Chopra. Yes, he's been with Deepak, (laughs) you know, and they think life is grand. Yeah. But you actually were even homeless at one point. Let's talk about that. (laughs) So I came to New York with $500 and I was like, oh, it's not going to be that hard. I know a lot of people here and there. And so I called. 
called about literally, I would say maybe 12 to 14 of my friends or associates and said, hey, listen, I might need to crash on your couch, you know, throughout this time that I'm in New York trying to build this lifestyle firm and figure it out. That did not happen. <laughs> so close to a year. I mean, I, I did everything from couch surfing, from um, if I could babysit someone's dog while they were away or whatever, into having my car as one of the backup plans in order to really keep going. What was it about that plan A that made you say, I'm going to go through all of this to make this a reality? Well, here's the thing. I did not know that I was going to go through all that I had experienced, Mm. you know? And so the thing that kind of kept me going was, all right, if all of these bulletproof plans were at play to begin with, and you really feel that you are working towards something that just not for yourself and your family, but for humanity, you have no choice but to keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's when that resilience and that perseverance really kick in. The clients that I see and people that I talk to all the time, it usually never goes strict to just what it is that you see for yourself. What is that thing that they need to do to say, okay, I'm going to really transition from plan B through Z and really focus on my plan A? Right. I think the first thing is courage. Like a lot of people think when I get to this number or when I get to this level of my career, I'm going to go ahead and take a break and, you know, really start that. And again, it goes back to the idea that the plan you have set for yourself, it just may not happen. But that first step you take is literally, I think, the most important step that you take and is grounded in having courage for yourself. And you say if you don't do plan A, then you really don't get the most out of life. Oh, absolutely. I would say for all of the the trying times and my editor is sitting here right now, she has been with me through the, the very thick of all of it. Her number one thing for me was being able to stay present and enjoy the process. And I am just now getting that in 2018. And that's a process. (laughs) Enjoying the process is a process. (laughs) But literally seeing all of the wonderful gifts and graces and talents and the doors that have been opening up that otherwise would not have opened up no matter if I had a million dollars or this connection or that connection, but really allowing the journey to sort of guide you towards that next step and that courage in order to take it. I kid you not. I just think I have had some of the richest life experiences because of it. And anything else that happens in my life now is just a bonus. Yeah. And you speak a lot about tapping into that courage because the fear that people usually can't get past. Right. You grew up with a mom who courage was her thing. Yeah. So if you don't have that present Mm -hmm. in your life, what are a couple of steps from Clay S. Williams that they can take to really get the courage to move past the mindset of fear into Mm -hmm. their true plan A? Application. I tell clients all the time, if you're not going to sit here and do the work, then we do not need to work together. And you have to do it through an actual process. You can't sit and tell me, I want this out of life. I really feel called to this and I want to have these different experiences if you do not try it. And so what normally happens is, especially when someone works with me, those first two days, everybody's on cloud nine. I mean, literally the sky has opened up, the doves are perching and singing and all the things like that. But it's usually after that process is when resistance shows up, life seems to take place and say, hey, do you really want this? And I'll tell them, keep going, keep going, keep going. Create an application and a process for at least 21 to 30 days so that you can strengthen that inner muscle, whatever it is that you need to have. In this case, inner courage. Courage is something a lot of people weren't really necessarily born with. For me, I was lucky enough to have it taught to me through different examples, but I would not have been able to hone that special gift and experience if I did not strengthen that when there were times for me actually to rise up to have the courage I would need.
So, guys, if you want to strengthen that muscle, there is only plan A. So, if we get the book, what will we find? You're going to find one of the realest and rawest experiences of someone literally trying to build a company from scratch. Uh, someone who is in the middle of defining who he is as a man, who he is as a person. Raw conversations about me discovering that I was gay through this whole entire process. You're going to hear the different levels of the plan A formula that I talk about that has really been a universal aid, I believe, in a way in which a lot of us experience our calling. And we start with God, universe, that intuition. God then gives us the vision, or intuition gives us the vision, then the belief to back up that plan A vision. And then all that next part, that huge, huge, huge chunk of the book is called the hard work. The inner things we need to heal, the external things need to be taken care of. And then last but not least, After you've done everything you can possibly do in the name of your plan A, it is up to you to surrender and to allow the power of all power, life of all life to really help you realize a dream for yourself. So how did you heal? Again, face everything. I think sometimes life gives us scenarios where you'll get that pebble that is sort of thrown upside your head. You get that brick. And for me, throughout this process, life ripped me open from the inside out. Having that ability to face your demons, if you will, and to apply the lessons that I think life is trying to offer you is the number one thing. But undergirding all of that, I had so much forgiveness work that I had to do, not only for other people, but myself. Because there's tons of times where I allowed other people to access my power, to take my power away from me, and where I did not stand tall in the gifts that the universe has given to me. For those who want to get engaged, they want to get the book, they want to just learn more and be inspired by Clay S. Williams, where can they find you? ClaySWilliams.com. There you go, guys. Thanks for your time. We've just spent a few moments with Clay S. Williams. I'm Crystal Berger, and this is Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.